This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoke team. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. And welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. I'm Sam Thrash with Fall Obsession, your host for this week's podcast episode once again. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys have been enjoying our recent week's episodes. We've had several guests on here recently to kind of recap some hunts and some stories that they've had in this past 2020 hunting season. And we're going to continue to do that today. I promise that we will get some turkey hunting content on this podcast for you guys in the very near future. But for now, we have another awesome story and experience that we're going to recap this week. We have our very own staffer, Brendan Scott from Oklahoma, joining us this week on our podcast. Brendan, welcome to Fall Obsession Podcast. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be here. Diving in and talking about this Colorado elk hunt that you had this last year. Looking forward to it. Heck yeah. So before we get started, I'll I'll let you have the floor. And if you just want to give our listeners uh, some brief background on you and kind of your experience as a hunter, introduce yourself. Yeah, well, my name is Brendan Scott. Um, I'm born and raised in the Oklahoma Panhandle. I lived there, well, I guess pretty much forever. So um, I started hunting with my dad when I was four years old and mainly just whitetail and all that good stuff. And as I got old enough to start going out on my own, I really decided I like to hunt a lot more than just whitetail. So been the last several years been chasing elk and pronghorn and mule deer and bears and all that good stuff so that's pretty much where i'm at (laughs) heck yeah man that's where it's at 
So I'm, I'm just going to dive right in and we'll get started with today's conversation because you did, you did successfully kill a, a really nice bull elk this last year in, in Colorado. Um, we're going to go through that story and those details and, and we're going to break it down um, as much as we can um, as far as your experience and how all that came about. So to kind of start things off for us, I mean, there's so many places in North America that you can elk hunt. So what drew you to Colorado? Why did you want to hunt elk in Colorado? Well, honestly, at first what drew me to hunt in Colorado is I put in for the New Mexico draw like two years in a row, didn't ever draw, and I started building some preference points in Wyoming, still never drew. So finally, I was like, I'm going elk hunting this year, one way or the other. So I started looking into OTC units, which over-the-counter units in Colorado, and they have, I mean, you can go, they got just as many archery OTC units as they do draw units. So, I mean, I pretty much, well, that first year we went, uh, we, we went with a guide because I didn't really know nothing about elk hunting. And that guy taught me a lot. We we got into some elk that year, but, I mean, nothing nothing really happened. And then uh, the next year, I I mean, that, that was enough to really start start the addiction. <laughs> <laughs> the year after that, I, I started watching a lot of videos on, um, like, Randy Newberg and them guys that, that do it religiously and really figure out what to look for, you know. And then uh, I, I picked a unit and uh started i mean i picked a unit that was fairly close to my home it's living in the oklahoma panhandle is good because i can drive i mean in six hours i can be in prime elk so yeah makes it real handy so i, I picked a unit fairly close to home and uh really just started studying it on on x and uh and i used go hunt and on x and and i found a pretty good place that second year i started going that uh we there was quite a few elk um blotched several several uh instances that i should have killed elk but <laughs> but gotta learn <laughs> and but, you're and you're going from the start you've been doing an archery hunt yes I, yep i haven't ever gun hunted i've always gone archery gotcha okay so you, you, you referenced the, the, the apps like Onyx and stuff like that. There's so many hunters that I have talked to um, that have utilized tools like that, and it's really a, it's really a must, honestly, if, if you're hunting elk or mule deer or antelope or anything like that. I know we've used it. Um, Drew and myself up in Montana hunting pronghorn before. Man, whenever you're doing a do-it-yourself hunt, it's, it's, it's really a must, and I'm I'm confident that's kind of the the opinion across the board. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I honestly don't know how you do it without it. I mean, <laughs> I. It's so hard having that information right at the palm of your hands, you know. And still, it's incredibly challenging to put that together and still go find them with even. So I can't even imagine what it would have been like and not having it. Absolutely. So you had so this trip this past year, this successful hunt that we're going to talk about. It's been several years in the making. Um, oh yeah, you've had several trips out there that come close or been unsuccessful. Um, I'm kind of generalizing, you know, 
your new your numerous years here um, all into one but what kind of what kind of research and planning and scouting do you specifically do to make a trip like this possible every year in about march i get for some reason the bug bites me i don't know why it hits me so early but it does and i get kind of worthless <laughs> i start just researching new units and and looking around we'll see if there's a, a place that i'd i'd like better with on x and um and I, I look i just google like i'll i'll pick a unit and i'll google it and i'll search i mean literally hours upon hours upon hours and just see what i can find on the internet use different forums too like hunt talk is a really really good one you can find tons of of just knowledge right at your fingertips just right there and a lot of them guys are just really happy to help you yeah um so i, I usually start looking around around march but i kind of found this spot that I, I really like and i know the area now and i i kind of know what the elk are going to be doing and you know about the area they're going to be in so and that's unless they get a whole bunch of pressure then it's you know here we go trying to find elk again but i always have a plan a b c and d (laughs) (laughs) but um i usually uh about july to august um i get real serious about in august me and my fiance will go go up there and go backpacking and go camping and i'll take about 10 cameras and um we'll set them all up you know very end of of july into august and um we'll set all our cameras up and let them sit for the entire month. And I'll, I'll set them above different uh, wallows and water holes and meadows. And I mean, if I see a good game trail, I'll stick one there. Um, if I see where there's some rubs, I'll stick one in that area. Or, you know, just like Whitetail, where you're looking for travel corridors, same thing with elk. Yeah. So I'll stick I'll stick my cameras up and then um, let them sit. And that, that first weekend of season, of elk season, um, we'll usually run up there for the weekend and uh every year we'll check our cameras figure out where the hot spots are at um and go from there but i usually hunt i usually hunt like i said i I picked a unit fairly close to home and really learned it just because it's it's nice because i mean i mean it's it's a lot of work don't get me wrong but we can leave on a friday night after work get there at three or four o'clock in the morning set up camp and by the time you get that done it's time to hunt so we uh i usually try to go every weekend and then i'll pick i'll pick a about a nine days or so that i'll take off work and we'll go then gotcha but a lot of days in the woods <laughs> absolutely yeah you got to put in the work up front for sure oh yeah have you so i mean you're hunting essentially public land up there so have you have you ever had issues with uh, your cameras getting jacked or anything like that a couple times, but it's really not bad. I mean, I got pictures of guys that'll walk by it, and and they'll, you know, I've had a couple guys moon it, which is funny. As, as long as they don't <laughs> take it, I'm cool with that, you know. But, I mean, I do the same thing. <laughs> but, no, not nothing nothing too bad. The main thing that sucks is if when you have, you know, you'll be, you'll find some elk, and you'll, uh, try to make a move on them well someone could see those same elk and they they go the wrong way and their wind pushes the elk off well there you go (laughs) gotcha yeah that's the hardest part but so do you when you go up there and you hunt do you have to do you interact with a lot of other hunters up there you have to you, you have to 
share your area basically pretty frequently or are you able to able to do your own thing for the most part um not too bad we usually we try to hike hike in off the trailhead um four or five miles or so um we'll get, we try to go a couple miles in on the on the trailhead and then cut in a couple more miles gotcha um and that usually gets you because most of the guys out there are either hunting from camp you know just right there at the trek or they they have horses and they're in there a lot farther than i want to walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so again you've got several several years in a row now doing this what kind of what kind of pieces of gear and stuff like that have you have you found over the years to be pretty much essential for for a comfortable I, I say comfortable as comfortable as you can make it and a successful trip like this well on our backpacking hunts um this year i i got a uh, lux octopeak tent a hot tent mm-hmm. and i got a back packing stove um and those things were the huge huge difference makers right there and we were it was well this year i don't know if you remember but early september we got a big snow Mm -hmm. and um up in the mountains i think we got like 10 inches and we were up there hunting then and that that stove kept us toasty i mean it was (laughs) nice and that that's a big part of it right there is just staying comfortable and another big thing that I found that really makes a difference is don't go cheap on your boots. My very first year I went, uh, it was the second day in, we hiked down into the nastiest, worst. I think we dropped we dropped like two, 3,000 foot of elevation. I mean, it was just stupid. And we got down in there, got into some elk, and then <laughs> forgot we had to get back out of it. <laughs> well... I learned on that day, cheap boots are not going to fly. I I couldn't even hardly walk the rest of the trip, and so from then on, I told myself, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spend some money." So I I really looked into Kinetric and uh, Crispy boots, and I ended up going with the Crispies. And the last two years, those things have been lifesavers. I mean, that that's a big thing right there. And also, another thing not to go too cheap on is backpacks. Um, I looked through all the different backpacks and ended up going with a mystery ranch. And that, that thing is also a lifesaver. When I packed my bull out this year, I mean, it was, it was hell to say the least, <laughs> but I, I think that thing definitely made all the, di- if I wouldn't have had that backpack, it would have been, I don't know how I would have got it out of there, honestly. Yeah. Awesome. But, and I think you've actually done a, Talking about those boots, I think you've actually done a review on those boots for us in the past. So yes, and that is yes, uh, that's available on our website under our review section at fallobsession.com. So anybody who's interested in uh, hearing a little bit more about those specifically can go check that out. So, so before we get into the actual story of the elk hunt this year, my last question is going to be: uh, the years leading up to this, what's what are some of the closest encounters you've had to actually getting it done? Um, so two, or it would have been not last, not the year that not last year when I shot my bull, but the year before I, uh, that was the first year that we really, I, I finally figured out, you know, my calls and I, I figured out, um, I, I put two and two together, you know, put all my mistakes together. So I thought, and, uh, <laughs> the biggest thing I learned was, you know, when you're hunting whitetail, 
you think, oh, well, I need to be behind this tree and I can just draw, you know, because they're going to bust me. Or I need to be in these bushes so they'll bust me. Well, elk aren't looking for a human. So <laughs> that I didn't realize that at the time. So I was set up um, behind this evergreen tree thinking, the, thinking I would call the bulls past the evergreen tree and I'd get a shot like that. You know, I'd be completely concealed, drawn back, all that good stuff. Well, um, I'm calling and I... I call, first off, I call this little bull in. He comes by at 30 yards. Perfect. Couldn't have been any better. Well, uh, he, he, uh, I end up calling another bull in and I end up calling in nine bulls on this one time and they're all within 45 yards, but they, they won't come to the side of the tree where I needed them to come. <laughs> so I have all these bulls in bow range and one of them was nice. One of them was probably 320 or so inch. Um, six by six, which would have been awesome, you know, but I couldn't, I, I tried at the last second they were, they were starting to leave. I was like, all right, I'm going to just draw and jump out in front of the tree and see. Well, I tried that. It was an epic fail to say the least. (laughs) You seen, there's a lot more elk on the side of the mountain than I realized. I could probably see that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, definitely last year we got close just couldn't make it happen so yeah so i know i said that was gonna be my last question but you were talking about numbers and the the 320 bull and all that kind of stuff um, yeah I, I know you run cameras so you for the areas you're gonna be in so you kind of have an idea i would assume but going into the hunt at least this year the year that you killed your bull <clears throat> what uh what caliber of bull were you expecting to kill because again you're you're on a public piece and uh, you're you're talking to a novice novice elk hunter here so i'm 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 asking more than with our listeners basically um what caliber of bull were you expecting this year before the hunt well expecting i mean i was i'd have been in, in colorado you can't really set your sights you know for 400 inch public land bulls i mean they're there but it's very, very, very unlikely. So I, w- I was expecting, just like in years past, if you see 300 to 320-inch bulls, you're doing real good. This year on camera, I had an absolute giant. I think I actually may have sent, sent you all a picture of it. But um, I'm honestly, I'll send you another. I'll send it to you again. But I'm thinking he's anywhere in the 380 to 400-inch range. I mean, he was an absolute giant. Wow. And oh, <laughs> Whenever we get into the hunt, I actually have an encounter with this bull at 50 yards, but just couldn't get it done. <laughs> <laughs> but funny enough, a muzzleloader hunter shot him that evening, oh, no which kidding. was a heartbreaker for me, but good for him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did you get to interact with him much at all or just kind of heard it through the grapevine? Oh, i seen it happen. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Yep. It, we, uh... We were, we we went up to, to to the top of that mountain that night, that evening, just to just to kind of. I was just gonna let the elk calm down because we had been we were really in them that morning, and I didn't want to bump them, you know, because once you bump them, they'll run two counties away. And uh, so I was just gonna go up top and just glass and watch, see what they're doing that night. Well, I was watching that bull. All of a sudden, I hear the gunshot. I'm like, no, you have got to be <laughs> kidding me. And. Uh, Sure enough, them fellas got him. But I mean, good for them because that's 
I don't care what state you hunt in. That's that's a world class animal right there. Absolutely. Especially to come out of Colorado, public land. Absolutely. Wow. But yeah, like I said, usually my sights aren't too high, but this year seeing that bull on camera, I was pumped. <laughs> I bet. Absolutely. Anybody would be. Oh yeah. So let's let's get into the story of of yours this year and and take us through getting out there and and the whole nine yards how to go down well leading up to the season like i said i've been i've been in this for four years now and this year it was gonna happen one way or the other i was gonna (laughs) shoot i didn't care if i had to shoot a cow i was gonna i was gonna have some milk this year yeah so coming into it i'm thinking i'm if i call a legal bull in i'm shooting it and uh that the very first day, um, we get camp set up. We go check all our cameras. Um, we see, well, we see that bull, the bull we're after. It was me and my, my fiance. She went up there with me that trip. And like I said, that was just more of a scouting trip than anything. We're just checking our cameras. But I mean, if something was going to happen, we were going to let it happen. <laughs> but, uh, we, uh, we call in. So we go up there, check our cameras. I see what the elk are doing. Um, and as we're walking up the mountain, uh, I'm like, Courtney, get down. I see horns. She's like, where? And at the, both at the same time, we both say, holy crap, there he <laughs> is. And he's just going straight up the mountain. And there is no absolute way I could catch him. I hit a couple cow calls. Thing, and I'm watching him. I hit a couple cow calls. Well, I hear some crashing behind me. I turn around, and Courtney's like, babe, there's a bull. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's already got us busted. So he, he takes off running and, uh, like, man, that happened fast. Well, we hunt the next, well, that, the next day we hunt and, uh, we, we lose the elk. We can't really find them. So, uh, the next weekend or the next week is going to be the week that I come for good, come to stay. And, uh, that very first day, uh, me and my buddy, Steve, he was going to come with me that trip. Um, we get up there and, uh. We, we pull up, we get our camp set up, and uh, we decide we want to go to a lookout, go go try to spot anything. So we go to the top, and um, not really see nothing, but, I mean, it is lit up. There's bugles everywhere. I, I mean, just like just like you'd see it on TV. I mean, that's the best <laughs> way I can explain it. Wow. And uh, we're both, like, in awe of what's going on. So I hit two cow calls, and... Uh, I have two spikes come running in and I'm like, man, I don't know what is going on here, but this isn't acting like this is public land, Colorado. Like (laughs) (laughs) we we timed it perfectly. The rut was on. So, uh, we, I mean, it's awesome. You know, we see, we only seen the two elk, but still we called two bulls in on the, on the very first day of our, of our actual hunt. So the next, the next morning we get up and, uh, well, we actually get waking up at about three o'clock in the morning. There's elk within probably fifty yards of our camp. Oh, I mean, wow. the bugles were just crazy, and then we had a fire going, in, or or uh, in my stove when we had the stove going and everything. They didn't even care. Huh. They're just all over, and uh, I'm like, well, I guess we're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we uh, we get up that morning, go try to find the bulls, and. Uh, we get we get set up in this meadow where there's a wallow that that I had quite a few pictures of them using, and uh, we're set up and we have we have these these little 
little cows. I mean, they were not full grown at all. They come come into that wallow and they start drinking. And then uh, I told myself I was going to shoot a cow, but after I seen the pictures of that bull, you know, there's no way, especially on day number two. Yeah. And uh, so we get we get set up, and all of a sudden I hear I hear the, this bugle behind us. And um, I told Steve, he said, did you hear that bugle? I said, yeah, that's a human, dude. Like, it it was the worst-sounding bugle <laughs> I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, I'm telling Steve, that's a human. <laughs> like, come on, there's no way that's an elk. Well, it keeps getting closer. And he's like, dude, I'm pretty sure that's an elk. I'm like, no, that is a human. I promise. Well... Five minutes goes by, and it's getting real close. And he, I'm like, well, I guess these people have the same thoughts we do. I wish they'd shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, about ten cows and a bull come running out at 100 yards away. I'm like, holy crap, Steve, those are elk. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's on. And, you know, me, if I would have just listened to Steve and be like, oh, those are elk, not, not you know, a crappy-sounding human, they would have uh, – I probably could have got a shot on him. Well, that's when I'm like, well, okay. Well, then we hear another a bugle coming the same way. So we just take on a mad dash, get set up right in that same little opening where they came out of. We get set up within probably 30 seconds of us getting set up. One cow runs out. She's at 15 yards tops. Like, oh, I mean, wow. I didn't, I did not know how. <laughs> I didn't get seen because I'm just right out in the open. And that kind of plays into how I said, they're not looking for humans. Just let your camo do the work for you. Yeah. And, uh, they, they run right by me. I got, I got, I had like three or four of them run right by me like that. Then a couple more were out at 30. Then I had five or 10 of them out at, you know, 40, 50 yards. And then, um, uh, I, I hear the bugle and he's right there. I turn and look and there he is the giant. And I'm like, holy crap. And Steve's like, dude, that's him. That's him. Well, uh, the two, the last two cows that he's following, I'm guessing the one had to have been the hot one. Uh, they turned and they, instead of wanting to go where all the other cows went, they decided they wanted to go down to that water hole where we had just been sitting. And to get there, they got to go downwind from us. So they turn, they go down to the water hole, smell us, blow out of there. I had that giant bull at 50 yards, just didn't have a shot because, I mean, it was it was thick in there. Yeah, wow. So it it was a heartbreaker for sure, but still pumped us up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, that evening, we, we separated, actually. He went and looked over on another uh, saddle, and I went to the same place where he'd been seeing the bulls, and I just sat on the, on the water. I didn't see nothing all night long. I seen a real big mule deer. But didn't have a mildew tag. <laughs> and uh, he's seen, I think he's seen a couple bears and uh, uh, a couple cows. I don't know. It was, it was a pretty slow evening. Well, we made the plan that the next morning we're going to go hit, we're going to, where the where the elk wanted to go, we were going to be there already. Well, we get up there. At, we left camp at like 3 o'clock in the morning. We were up there two hours before light. I mean. We were settled up, ready for something to happen. Well, about the time the sun comes up, the elk are bugling way behind us. Like, well, crap. <laughs> they already got way past us. I don't, they must have just been there already. I don't know. But So um, I start calling and bugling. And uh, the one bull acts really interested. And um, so 
I'm like, he's coming, man. And Steve thinks the same thing. Yeah, he's coming in. Well, about an hour goes by of us just playing cat and mouse. He never comes in. So, and another thing I told myself this year too, by the way, is be aggressive. You know, with whitetail hunting, you get too aggressive, you you blow it. Well, with elk hunting, I think you the more aggressive you get, the better. Yeah. And I told myself, in the, in the years prior, I've missed several opportunities just from not being aggressive. So I looked at Steve and I said, let's go, let's go after him. I mean, the wind was right, the thermals were good, so let's go after him. So um, we we you know 10, 15 yards at a time. We walk. 15 yards call a little bit just some soft cow calls lost cow calls and stuff like that and uh we're just kind of following the the, the herd and finally probably we moved two 300 yards and uh, we finally see the elk and we can't get any closer there i mean it's just a big big opening and there's no way we're gonna get closer we're gonna get seen so i told steve i said well it's now or never you know i mean i told myself we were we're gonna be aggressive so let's be aggressive so i said i'm gonna start hammering down the bugle just make the loudest meanest bugles i can and i want you to jump there's a little a little cedar so i want you to jump in the cedar and start making as much noise and as, as much racket as you can i mean beat the crap out of it <laughs> so i hammered down with just i mean as aggressive as i can be and uh uh steve's jumping into this <laughs> this little cedar and actually breaks it off so he just starts slamming it into trees. And um, about that time, I said, dude, he's coming. He's coming hard. The bull, this bull comes running in, charging in, comes into 30 yards. I mean, just staring right into our souls. Wow. <laughs> like, and he starts chuckling and bugling, but I don't have a shot. He's, uh, he's, uh, there was, it is thick up there. <laughs> so I, I did not have a shot at all. And, um. So he, uh, probably, I kid you not, I bet it felt like two hours, but it was probably about 10 minutes. This bull was just standing down here and we can't move a muscle. He's just standing there. I mean, chuckling, bugling, like the hair on both of our, our necks are just standing up. He's so close. And I remember I said a prayer. I was like, please God, let this bull turn. Don't let him go the same way he came. Let him turn and go straight up the mountain few minutes later sure enough he turns and goes up starts to go up the mountain so i go to draw back i get halfway drawn and he stops like no (laughs) so i'm it's probably another two or three minutes at half draw and i was dead like man come on finally he looks away so i let my bow down and then uh he starts walking again so i draw back real quick and steve's like 38 40 42 43 and finally i had one little shot probably I'd say about the size of like a home plate on a baseball field through, through the trees right into his vitals. And I smoked him. He went about 15 yards crashed and we started celebrating. I was like, Oh my gosh, we did it. Like we're celebrating. All he says, dude, the bull's up. I turn around. Oh crap. The bull is back up and running away. I knock an arrow <laughs> and he's like, shoot him. I said, how far is he? I said, he's gotta be like a hundred. So I just put my my sixty yard pin way high. I shoot. I hit a log. And, just, <laughs> and I was like, "Up! Oh, I think that was a lot farther than a hundred, dude." He's like, "Yeah, I think so too." So we laid down. <laughs> we just laid down and gave it probably twenty thirty minutes, and all of a sudden you hear the bull just crash. But, I mean, I'm like, "Whole, oh, we did it, man. We did it." Well, after we gave him about ten more minutes after he crashed, we walk up to him and uh, I. 
he from the time I hit him, he went 15 yards and and crashed, and then he got back up and probably went another 60, 70 yards after that and crashed again. But I mean, that was the my fiance didn't like hearing this, but that's probably the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine so, man. You you put in all this work for oh, so many years. I forgot, I forgot a very big piece to this story. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> the day me and Courtney, my fiance, were up there, uh, I guess there was a weekend between that because we uh we get on some bulls i start calling i have this bull coming and this is the day that snow that i was telling you about Mm -hmm. i call these bulls in to 30 yards uh i draw he's just a four by four but like i said i was going to kill a bull i draw back on this bull (laughs) he takes a couple steps and i had to let my jaw down and get around the tree I get around. I go to get around the tree. I slip in the snow and break my sights off my boat. Oh no! True story. I kept the sights too. That's a memory I'll always have. She told me that all the way. It was about a three-hour drive to and from Colorado Springs. She said the entire trip, I didn't say a single word. <laughs> <laughs> we went, bought some new sights, came back, sighted my bow in. I did not say a word. I was heartbroken to say the least. Wow. But like I said, an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it it worked out in the end for sure. Oh yeah, man, we've had we've had a lot of people on this podcast, a lot of guests. I don't think I've ever heard anybody tell a story with as much excitement and enthusiasm as you as you just told that story with it. That was incredible. That that's a, not only just an awesome and unique story, but man, you. That is one heck of an experience, man. That's that's crazy awesome. It was, like I said, so many years of just trial and error. Finally, every year you put a little bit more and a little bit more together. And finally this year it all came together. So yeah. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Absolutely. So so you hear him crash. Tell us about tell him, tell us about walking up on him, finding him, your your reaction when you found him, all all that stuff. We heard, well, when we heard the crash, we sat for a few more minutes and we started walking. And I was like, man, I didn't think he was this far. And I just started, my heart just started pounding. It's like, man, I know I heard a crash. I know I heard a crash. And elk don't really bleed a whole lot. I mean, I hit mine. He, mine was quartering away and it went in through in front of the last rib and went out right behind the shoulder. So, I mean, I double lung, double lunged him. I mean, it couldn't have been really a whole lot better. And uh, he did not bleed much at all. There was no blood trail. Um, finally, we were just walking, and all of a sudden, I see the horns. I'm like, Steve, there he is! <laughs> <laughs> and I knock an arrow just in case, and I get up to close to him, and I know he's he's done. So I just start – I started shouting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was we, – we got up to him and seen that he was he – was, he was bigger than I thought he was. <laughs> I mean, That's he awesome. was real big. So we 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 found him and everything. And and Courtney actually, she was going to come cook for us that week that we were there, but she had she had school, um, so she couldn't be there that day or that the night before. So she's in she's about an hour away. And I call her. I just got my bull. Like, Are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, I'm dead serious. <laughs> so. Um, she comes. I'm like, all right, all right, Steve. Let's hike down to the trailhead. So we just leave. The, we 
we'd leave the bull there. We fill dress him, all that good stuff. But we get, we go down and meet her and uh, we get to the truck and, and she's waiting on us. I'm like, well, I, I didn't get him. She's like, are you kidding me? I like, no, we didn't get him. <laughs> so we, we hike all the way back up to camp and um, we're sitting around just eating breakfast. And then Steve says, well, you ready to go get that bull? And Courtney's like, you got him? Like, heck yeah, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so we take her up there, which, thank God there is an extra person, because that was the most brutal. <laughs> she has a quote, I think, on, on a video of me saying, I'd never want to kill an elk again in my entire life, <laughs> as we're getting this elk out of there. <laughs> One and done. <laughs> yeah. So we, we get up there, and, and um, she tries to pick the head up, but she can't even get it up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we get him all taped out and, uh, we, we quartered him out and this thing, I didn't, I had never seen an elk, you know, dead before this. And it was crazy. Courtney carry all she could carry out was two back straps and a little bit of neck. And she, I mean, that was it. It was all I could take out that first load was, was the, um, I took, I think I took one hind quarter and a, uh, just some scraps. And then, um, it was, it was brutal. I mean, I, I didn't realize how heavy those things, I mean, just a hind quarter is like 200 pounds. Wow. I mean, they are all there. So we packed this sucker out, you know, it takes us probably most of the day to get him packed out. Well, we get him hung up in a tree down probably two, 300 yards from camp or so. And, uh, this this story just never quits giving i promise <laughs> so we get, this, we get this this elk hung up a couple hundred yards from camp and uh i don't know what made me decide i wanted to walk back oh i remember what it was i went up there because i was going to cut some backstrap off so we could eat for dinner i go up there and there's a dang bear eating on my elk oh no <laughs> cut a, it it had got in it had like it, it was halfway climbed up the tree I mean, I guess I should have done a better job, I guess. But so this this bear is eating on one of the quarters of my elk. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I run up to him. Hey, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this bear, I didn't even have a sidearm or nothing, but I didn't care. I ran up to this thing and Courtney's freaking out. <laughs> That's the first bear she's ever seen, especially that close. Yeah. And, uh. So we finally get the bear on. Then, I, then I'm like, well, we need to get this meat down to the truck. So we, we decide we're going to hike the meat back down to the truck. We hike it down to the truck. Um, we, we weren't really able to salvage much of that quarter just because they say, I mean, carnivores have a lot of different diseases, you know. So yeah. uh, we weren't able to keep much of that quarter, which really was a bummer. But um, we still ended up with an entire... 145 quart ice chest, 100% jam packed with meat, deboned meat. Wow. So, I mean, it was just crazy, but we got got them all cleaned up that night. And uh, it was, we just, we took the entire next day. We didn't even leave the next day. We took the entire next day, just sit there and hang out. I mean, it was, you couldn't have asked for a better hunt. That That is absolutely awesome, man. Very cool. It was time of my life <laughs> ready to do it again next year <laughs> so, so you change your mind you you are going to do it again <laughs> oh yeah yeah if i shoot one again you know i'll probably say the same thing but, <laughs> but what uh did you end up scoring him 
Um, yeah, he's just shy of three fifteen. Okay, that's awesome. So, I mean, for first first archery bull, I mean, especially being in Colorado public land, you can't really. That's, I don't know anyone that would pass that up. <laughs> Man, I I I always tell folks, in my opinion, you know the the score, the inches, it's it's a number. The the trophies and the experience and the memories and everything. I, oh, yeah. I ask people about, you know, what their animal scored on, on the podcast just so that our, our listeners have a have a gauge kind of for the caliber of animal that, that we're talking about. So that that's that's an awesome bull, man. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So and I have I have one more question too, um, regarding the elk story and, and this is more just a, an educational question and again, I'm you're talking to a, a novice like some of our listeners might be even um, but when you say a legal bull, for my sake and for our listeners' sake, for those who don't know, in Colorado, what is a legal bull? You have to have four on one side, I believe. Four on one side. Okay. Yep. So, four. It's 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 either four on one side or four by four. I can't remember to be exact, but I mean, I'm pr- I wasn't going to shoot one unless he was four by four. Gotcha. So, just to stay clear of the law. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, man, like I said, an absolutely awesome story, and you tell it very well. That I, I was thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So um, I'm going to change gears just a little bit um, because while the your Colorado elk hunt and everything is the kind of our highlight of this episode, you also killed a really nice whitetail in Kansas this last year. So yes, sir. Let's let's hear a little bit about that before we uh, before we wrap it up and cut you loose. Yeah, well, uh, my in Kansas, I I did kind of the same thing. I was fortunate enough to draw a tag this year, and um, I did the same thing like I did in, in Colorado. All those tags or all those uh, cameras that I had in Colorado, literally within the next week, I had uh, me and Courtney had taken a trip up to Kansas and got all of those cameras set out there. And um, I had some absolute giants on camera. I mean, Kansas definitely lived up to to it. And I, I'm lucky enough that my cousin um, lives up there and has he he farms quite a bit of ground up there. So, um, awesome. That helped out a lot. But uh, so we had we found we there's a couple bucks that we were we were interested in going after. I mean, it was all spot and stock. It's it's southwestern Kansas. There's no trees. There's I mean, it, it's desolate. I mean, all you have is CRP grass and and fields. I mean, that's it. Some wheat fields, some milo, and at that time they had already cut the corn. So it was. It, there's not nothing to hide in. So uh, me being a bigger guy, knew it would be a challenge. I've I'm I've always hunted out a tree stand, never really spot and stocked whitetail with a bow. Yeah, and. Uh, and we, I had gone down there probably, well, that first weekend, actually, that we went down there, we uh, we, we found some decent bucks. One was mature, just nothing that, you know, I wanted to put my Kansas tag on. So uh, we, we hunted the same places for about two weeks and never, never really seen nothing that I just was absolutely thrilled to going after. Well, finally, my cousin says, well, I got some family that has a piece of land about 30 miles from here 
let's let's roll over there this evening and just see what we see. So we run out there, and um, within 10 minutes, we locate this. This I'm about to throw a big number at you that's pretty tough to believe, but <laughs> I swear it's true. This buck had to have been at least 180s. I mean, wow. An absolute giant out in the middle. He was with a doe out in the middle of this uh, cut milo field. And there's probably about an hour left before dark. My cousin says, well, I'll sit here in the spot and scoop and watch if you want to go after him. I'm like, well, okay, let's do it. So, um, it, I get out there. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm belly crawling all through this stuff. I mean, cause cut Milo is probably, you know, up to your mid midway up to your waist or so, you know, it's not very tall. Yeah. And, uh, we're, I'm crawling through all this and I, pop up and they're they just stay in the same spot finally the doe laid down but the boat the buck stayed stood up so um i crawl you know 30 40 yards get up range and i'm like 300 yards out 200 yards out 100 yards out by the time i hit 100 yards out it's really starting to get dark so i try to i try to clear the the rest of the ground as quick as i can and about the time it's almost i mean it's gonna have to happen i range him he's at he's at like 69 which is a, is a long shot but i mean i shoot all year long out to 70 80 yards so i was comfortable with the shot and uh i draw back on him shoot right below him oh, like you man. have got to be kidding me. i just missed a 180 inch giant like i mean i was way heartbroken you know <laughs> I, I hadn't even seen a buck that big yeah and uh he takes off well it's a long week Finally, we get back out there, and um, this week is is it's already by this time, you know, late November. The rest, the rest, really starting. It's it's opening weekend of pheasant season. Well, we relocate this buck about two miles away, and he's actually on some public land. Uh, Kansas has a lot of walk-in hunting land, and um, it's really nice actually. Huh. But uh, he's actually on some public land, so. Uh, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go after him. The same buck, the same giant. I don't know how I got like him to find him twice in a row, what I did. Well, uh, we're going. We, I, I start belly crawling, trying to trying to get up there to him. And um, I get about 100 yards away from him or so. My cousin texts me and says, hey, man, you have pheasant hunters in that field with you right now. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> so... He's like, well, just sit tight. Maybe they'll push him to you. Well, you know, that's never how it works. They pushed him away, and he ran away. And um, I was like, man, them guys were like, did you see that buck? Like, yeah, I seen that buck. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. <laughs> and uh, so we, uh, we 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 give it till the afternoon, and we I knew where he ran off towards. And um, there was a house over there just right on the corner where a guy had a bunch of farm machine machinery parked well i just went knocking the door and said hey man i seen a big buck out in this field earlier uh i think i think he ran out onto your place would you care if i go after him he says man you can kill all them deer you want they've been eating all my sunflowers <laughs> no <Sweet>. way <laughs> I'm, I'm your huckleberry <laughs> yeah can i can i get your number and come back next year <laughs> yeah exactly wow so, that, that's awesome yeah i'm like heck yeah so i start I'm, go- I'm walking across a sunflower, a harvested sunflower field. And I don't know if you've ever seen what a harvested sunflower field looks like, but it, there's nothing. I mean, it's just the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like living in the Oklahoma panhandle. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
So, uh, I get all the way out to the, I mean, it's a, it's probably, it's, well, it was a, it was an entire section. So, I mean, I walk all the way out into the edge of it and I get close to this walk in hunting land again. And, uh, I'm like, I think I just seen some horns and, uh, I sit there. I just, I just hit my, hit my knees and I just glass for probably 10, 15 minutes and nothing happens. So I just continue walking. I get to the edge of the field and all of a sudden like, Oh crap, I do see horns and it's him. He's, he's like 300 yards out and he's walking in the CRP about to jump the fence and get in the same barren sunflower field I'm in. But, you know, if he sees me in here, it's definitely done. I mean, oh, I've already yeah. missed him a week prior. Well, he, uh, <laughs> the only thing I could think to do is as soon as he jumped to get into the field that I was in, I jumped the fence to get into the field he was in. <laughs> so we jumped the fence at the same time. And I get hid behind some pump tickets that were caught up in the fence. And, uh, he's, he's, he's going straight away from him. I mean, he's, he must have got that dough bread because he was cruising i mean i mean a solid trot huh. and i grunt as loud as i can he just doesn't even hear it because it's a fairly windy day so and i had a black rack in my in my bag so i start hammering the horns together as loud as i can and he he stops turns around pins his ears back and starts i mean running i'm like holy crap it's gonna happen he's coming <laughs> so i get set up and i i got my rangefinder out and I can't, I can't range nothing. There's nothing out there to range. I'm like, well, crap. Finally, I range this one, this just one little area where I think there was just a little plump, like a little uh, tumbleweed sitting there. And it was like 55 yards. So I'm like, perfect. Well, uh, he he kind of loses interest and starts going the other way again. So I hammer down with just, I mean, I'm just as aggressive as I can be with the grunt call. And it, it makes him mad. He turns, comes to me. And, uh, uh, so he's coming in, he's, he's coming on a rope and I think, man, this is going to happen. And I'm ranging, he's about a hundred yards out and the closer he gets, the closer, the bigger he gets. I mean, I start to see he's got kickers I mean, he's just a big, big, big mainframe 10. I mean, a giant. Wow. And, um, he, uh, he gets, he gets, he closes in about a hundred yards and the pumper, I mean, there was a well in the middle of that sunflower field. The pumper starts driving down the road. I'm like, no. So that buck, he sees that guy, and so he starts kind of, I mean, they don't get that big for being dumb. No. He takes off running just straight. Instead of coming at a beeline to me, he just kind of angles it back off. And, but he's still coming in my direction. So I I get I get on him, and um, I range him. He's at like, at like, well, so I arranged that spot where I thought he was going to be, which was my first mistake. You can already see where this is going. And um, I uh, – he comes in, I shoot right over his back. Like, you have got to be kidding me. I miss a giant, the same giant, a week in a row. <laughs> wow. Like, <laughs> I, I called my fiance that night and said, this is it. Tomorrow it's either going to – I mean, I was so emotionally drained just from the whole it, – it's just tough hunting Kansas spot and stock. It really is. Yeah. I told her, I said, tomorrow, which is going to be Sunday is the last day. If I don't, if I don't get one, I'm coming home, and we're going to start hunting Oklahoma. And, uh, so that next morning me and my cousin go out and he, he's like, dude, there, there's a buck. We're just glassing from the road. He's like, there's a big buck. And I look, I'm like, holy cow, that's a real big buck. Where did he come from? And, um, he's like, well, make a move on him. So he's in, actually in a really good place. He's with the doe in a really good place. 
um, down in the middle of a, like kind of a, like a tailwater pit. So all I had to do was get, you know, upwind or get, get downwind of him. And, uh, so he couldn't smell me. I get, I get set up, come over the pit and there he is. They're just laying there. I range him. He's, I think he was like 52 yards. And, uh, so I just sit there and wait. Finally, he stands up. I drill, I drew back and drilled him. He went probably 60 yards crashed. I mean, it was, couldn't have, couldn't have happened any sooner to say the least. Wow. And, um, that, that buck was real cool. When I seen him, I thought he was a lot bigger than he really was. He had actually, he's an old warrior. He had broken off on his other side and, um, we scored him and, uh, he was 155 inches as he was broke off and everything. Um, and then if, if he would have had those three times on the other side, he'd have been 170 inches. Wow. That is so, I mean, awesome deer. Oh yeah. It was still, I mean, I'm, I was more than proud of him. <laughs> yeah, Biggest man. buck. I mean, I killed that muley a couple years ago. That was bigger, but I man, that's a muley. Yeah. But I mean, that's the biggest whitetail buck I could ever even imagine shooting. I was, It'd have been cool if I shot that 180, but man, the just wasn't in the cards. So, <laughs> and yeah, the last day to be able to kill a buck like that still that that's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, I was especially it, Courtney said the, the night before she could tell in my voice how just done I was with it. You know, I, you miss a buck that big two times in a row, that you're and they, and they weren't exactly give me shots either, but still, I mean. You only get so many handful of chances at Boone and Crockett deer. It don't matter oh, yeah. where you hunt, who you are. It's just not something that happens every day. Yep. And to miss two of them, the same deer, same season, a week apart. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad that it glad that it worked out, and you're able to put a, a stud Kansas buck on the ground. That that's awesome. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Well, man, I uh, I appreciate you coming on this week on the podcast and and joining us. A couple of really awesome stories. Um, but before we let you go, we gotta we gotta hit you with our with our questions that we ask all of our first timers on the podcast. Yeah. So the first one, I think I already know the answer to it because we asked folks what their fav- favorite hunting memory is. I think we might have already talked about it. Yep. Yeah, you got the whole <laughs> rundown. <laughs> So I'll uh, I'll jump to the next one, which is uh, uh, top bucket list hunt or hunts that you have not gotten to complete yet. Uh, I'd say my top bucket list hunt would be Yukon moose. Awesome. I think that would be just sick archery. I think that would be amazing. Well, if. Uh, if anybody can do it, I'm pretty sure you can. You and uh, probably make a an awesome story out of it in the end too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have my backup bow with me. I'll learn that <laughs> take, take an extra sight with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, la- last question for you. Uh, kind of circling back to the to the elk hunt. What is one big piece of advice you'd give someone who is wanting to? Um, do a do-it-yourself elk hunt for the first time this upcoming season? I'd say uh, put in the work. You can, you can, if you, if you take the time like you should and scout out an area using the tools that you have, like Onyx and stuff like that, um, there's no, 
there's no sense in not being able to find elk. Um, if you just wait till you get there and it might take you two or three days just to find elk, you know, but if you can, you can use Onyx to find north, north facing slopes with, with water and thick, thick cover. Elk are going to be there. You're going to find them. So, and there, there's not a whole lot of places on, on, you know, per unit that have that. So if you take the time while you're there, while you're at home, you know, find do do your scouting then do the hard scouting then then it, it makes your chances of shooting elk a lot easier awesome there you go guys well again man i appreciate you coming on for this week's episode um really enjoyed talking to you and hearing those awesome stories it's been fun yeah yeah thanks for having me you bet well guys thank you all for listening to another week's episode if you have not already hit that follow and subscribe button for our podcast on whatever app you choose to listen on we are on all the major pod podcast platforms um, we're also on facebook instagram and youtube follow and subscribe to our youtube channel um, we're putting new content on our social media pages daily and trying to get some more videos on our youtube channel here coming up pretty quick um FallObsession.com, that's our website, that's the hub, that's where you guys can go to find all of our content, um, including some reviews from guys like Brennan, who are uh, out there hunting and, and making everything happen on do-it-yourself hunts. So um, gear and everything we got reviews on is field tested and proven by our own guys, and it's oftentimes gear that they've spent their own money on to, to acquire and use. So um, honest and legit reviews for sure. And then on fallobsession.com slash podcast, you guys can provide us some feedback um, on there to our podcast or suggest topics, ask questions, whatever you need. And we also got some uh, some uh, sweet merch on our website, so go pick you up a hat and, uh, and a shirt. We got some frequent sales going on too, so you guys can get stuff at a, at a good price. Brennan, thank you again, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I did as well. All right, guys, thank you all for listening, and we will catch you all again next week for another Fall Obsession podcast episode.